Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Betts is back for the U.S. Open round three and beyond Friday from Flushing Meadows. We're underway already. The tournament that is just captivating our minds and our hearts and hopefully our wallets too. Uh, Pamela Maldonado, Kenny Ducey on site. Gang, welcome to the show. Zico was bogged up in uh, college football. I think he actually, you know, got realigned to the ACC, but Zico's not going to be here today. When did you write that one, Mitch? I feel like you that. You've had that in your pocket for a few hours. You're ready to go. Woke up and I saw the news and I was disappointed that Zico wasn't here, Kenny. Uh, that's not a green screen behind you, so that's pretty exciting. It is, yeah. There's, you know, it's it's fun to have a busy back of the shot because I, I just like to yap and go on forever. So it's nice you could just look at. Oh, there's there's a guy. The last time we were on the show, I think someone was push was trying to figure out how to put their baby in a stroller behind me. So you never, you know, you could see a player walk behind me. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, Pam, it is hoodie day, so sorry we didn't tell you, uh, but sun's out, Apologies. guns out in Austin. It's 105 degrees in Austin. I will not be bringing out a hoodie until, like, February. So, yeah, I, I, I fully embrace that. Uh, first things first, I think we can start before we get to the tournament and how exciting it's been and some picks for today. Uh, the unfortunate stuff, Kenny, you said something on your daily update show for Tennis Batch, which has been great to kind of follow and, and mark on. It's been doing pretty well, too. Uh, it's a little unpredictable. I think you said a line where with the illness going around, all bets are kind of off and it's way more unpredictable, unfortunately, with some players getting sick and maybe having a bug that's going around. It's a real thing. It really is. I think we're going to start to see it. Be, I mean, if it's already not a big narrative at this tournament, I think it's definitely going to become one because what you're going to, I mean, it's really going to be the healthiest and fittest person at the end who ends up winning this thing most likely because I noticed it at the Wozniacki Kvitova match. Kvitova was was coughing up a storm. We obviously have seen retirements due to gastrointestinal issues. Dominic Team, his maybe was pre-existing. Christopher Eubanks had the memorably runoff court uh, just to go to the bathroom. So there's clearly something going on on Shabur as well. Um, and yeah, I think maybe the players who are staying far away, like Novak Djokovic, is is staying at some like mansion. Like I don't know that in theory, right? That the players who are higher ranked who get to kind of isolate themselves and do their own thing. Maybe those players are going to stay healthier, but as you said, it's really unpredictable. I just don't think we really know how anyone's feeling right now. And the best advice I would give is maybe look at when they go to press, how they, I mean, I, I can remember the French Open, Stefano Tsitsipas looked very sick, or maybe that was Wimbledon last year. Um, so sometimes you can kind of tell in press, but it, it, it is sort of unpredictable. And, and I think that's sort of added to the volatility of the, the early results here. So you know where Carlos is staying. Is he on or offsite? Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming Carlos is uh, being taken care of very well. So uh, I, you know, I, I think Carlos, Medvedev, and Djokovic are probably the three guys I would trust the most to stay healthy just because yeah. so I don't know where Carlos Alcaraz is staying. I'm, I'm not TMZ, unfortunately. You said the fittest person. So I was just like, okay, Djokovic. That's, oh, that's Tommy it. Paul. Or Tommy fittest, Paul. Right? Yeah, he's up there. But. I don't know if you guys saw Pam, especially the, the late match last night where Medvedev lost that set. He blew the third set. 
mm-hmm. called the trainer and just said, give me what he's having. <laughs> he's like, I, what's wrong? I lost the third set. When and won the fourth set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and they, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to kind of consider, too. And, um, you know, you look at these matches. We've had some no bets, unfortunately. And that's the the bummer of this whole thing is when these matches don't finish. Somebody, Pam, like Matteo Berrettini, who was not sick, but, you know, rolls his ankle. And you can't really predict these things, especially, you know, in these matches. You just got to see who's in the best form and and really look at the draw themselves. I think that's the key to it. Some of these players winning, Kenny brought up on Shabor, these players that don't play their best level, but find a way to just beat the person on that day. Right. Yeah. The good, the great players, they figure out how to still win on their bad days. And there's only a few players that are like that right now. And it's Novak Djokovic, Carlitos Alcaraz, maybe even Yannick Sinner. He could still probably grind it out. But we mentioned it at one a previous show. It's September. These players have a lot of time on court. The injuries are going to start piling up. It's going to start warming up. The conditions are going to start getting hotter. So who's going to be more fit? Kenny said it perfectly. Who's going to be the fittest? And the healthiest, that's going to be the player that ends up on top. Let's look at the future markets now because I think we've got to update a few things. Uh, Kenny, we can start with the women's side because I want to get your thoughts on some developments there. Uh, Iga is the favorite at plus 220. Sabalenka still humming along. Golf hasn't, you know, and I don't know if it's a question of form in that first match, but the, the number hasn't changed too much. It's super tight, and I left off the names. Andrusova, 1,600, and then Anjibor, 1,900, but... There's not a lot of like super long shots amongst the top. It's pretty bunched up. There's some good value, but maybe not some great value, about seven, eight deep. I agree. You also left out Ludmilla Samsonova, who I think yeah. is still a dark horse and still playing incredibly well. Uh, got through a tough match with Corpatch yesterday. Top 80 player, very talented, smoked her. Um, I would say Coco Goff's price is a little confusing to me because I thought she looked incredible against Mira Andriva. And we all know Amira Andriva is an up and coming star. The forehand, the, the ferocity that she played with. I mean, just mentally, she looks so different out there uh, ever since switching over to Brad Gilbert. And just, I've, I've heard great things about the way that he coaches and players Players seem to like him. I know his on-camera personality. He's a goofball and, and he's such a fan and champion of this game. And, and we love him for that. And you would you would kind of question, okay, well, how, how does that translate to coaching, right? Uh, he's apparently very, very good mentally with these players and we're seeing it right now with Coco Goff. He's done an excellent job just transforming her into a, a an elite player um, and someone who's not going to be afraid of anyone out there on the court. So look, I mean, I, I know that Zico has talked a lot about this price drifting, you know, whether it, you loved it at, at 12 to one before the tournament and then right before the tournament, she was seven to one, not a lot of value. I almost think at this point, I, I, I don't think that we've really See, we've been, I haven't been blown away by Sviatek and Sabalenka and, and frankly, Rabakina as well. I mean, we still don't really know if she's at 100%. So I don't really know. I, I would have assumed the odds would have moved a little bit more than this for Coco. Yeah. I am almost thinking that this is a good time to get in before it's too yeah. late because I think maybe if she wins today convincingly, she goes uh, down to plus 450, plus 500. Yeah. I, I, I would price her a little differently right now. That's a good one. And just a Rabakina point, she's the one that's lurking because we don't know the form, but we had our doubts and the best thing that could have happened to her, right? And we talked about the unlucky part. Some of the luck is have an easy match, get a walkover win that you don't have to play. And suddenly she's had a couple of days off and she can get fresh. Still a Grand Slam champion. So something to watch there. We got picks on the women's side. Uh, the men's U.S. Open futures. I think there's a lot of draw relationship to this, Pam. And I'll, and I'll bring this up to you because Djokovic is minus 115. We know... He's going to look great against some players that aren't on his level. 
Alcaraz plus 190, then it drops off Sinner and Medvedev 1400, Zverev plus 3000, Fritz is the, the next long shot at 4500. I think this reflects on whose side of the draw is stronger because I actually think Sinner would be a lot lower if Alcaraz wasn't the quarterfinalist. And the fact is that Djokovic has one seed, Taylor Fritz, to get to the semifinals. Yeah, I was expecting for uh, Eubanks to do a little bit better than what he did. He be- dropped out yesterday, I but as mentioned, he, it's probably because he was going through some sick- some illness. Um, at this point, Djokovic, it was true before the tournament, and it's even more true now. Hand Djokovic just like a straight ticket to the final because there's just nobody in his side of the draw that can potentially be competitive with him. Maybe Taylor Fritz, but I think the conditions of this, the health-wise, the stamina-wise, the court sense, all of that is just going to be favoring Djokovic right now. When it comes to the first quarter, um, was Carlitos, I mean, he's looking great. He's His matches, he's just making them all look like cake. They are practice rounds, and so... Maybe until the quarterfinal, if it is Zverev who is playing well, also well. Hercotch, I'm surprised that he yeah, that lost in trade game. sets. Um, that was Why are you surprised? He played, he played one of the best tennis players of all time in Jack Draper. <laughs> Jack Draper love coming out. I mean, well, can we just say Hubie kind of, you know, he putting himself on court in the first round as long as he did might not have helped him. I think that's exactly. Exactly. That is not unlike what we've seen. At the U.S. True. Open in years past for Hercotch, he's never made the fourth round here. He's always, he lost to Fokina. He lost to Ivashka. Like, this is a guy that ha- we, we, we think of him as he is a mainstay in the top 15, Hubert Hercotch. But one thing that he has not done is reach the quarterfinals of a grand, uh, reach the fourth round or later uh, more than four times in his career. So he, he just has struggled at this stage. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't think enough people are giving credit. I, I know I'm going to continue to champion this kid until he retires. We're still not giving Jack Draper enough credit for the performance that he put on yesterday. Unbelievable defensive. I think every time I watch him, I'm impressed by something differently. Right. But his defense is incredible, and he's an absolute force in this quarter. I think he has well, a very good chance to win it. Well, to answer the men's futures options, I still think Akras at plus 190 is the best option because if he gets through to the quarterfinal, past Zverev or Sinner, I mean, he has a straight – I think it's going to be Djokovic and Carlitos, and you're not going to get plus 190 – against Joker in the final. It's probably going to be more of a coin flip, um, more of the 50-50. So just for value of loan, if he should be making the final, in my opinion, the yeah. plus 90 becomes a value. Yeah, I'm looking at Medvedev, too, just thinking because I think to get to the semi looks good. Obviously, it's Alcaraz there. I don't know, Kenny, do you have any strategy other than just you know chalk? Because obviously, it's so enticing. But any future plays you're looking at on the men's side that maybe you can hedge later? Yeah, honestly, I, I actually put in Alexander Zverev earlier today uh, because his price has still not changed. And one thing, I mean, I, look, it's not that I'm super impressed with him. I, I thought, obviously, handling Daniel Altmaier a little easier would have helped, helped my stomach. But I, look, I, I think I, I'm, I'm ready for Alcaraz to be tested. I think he's, I think mm-hmm. Alexander Zverev, if Stan Vavrinka doesn't beat Yannick Sinner, I think Alexander Zverev will. I think he can go to a quarterfinal against Carlos Alcaraz. And look, I, He's still very young. Carlos is going to win 10 U.S. Opens, right? We, most likely. He, this guy's going to light the tennis world on fire once, once the, Novak is retired. And, but I, I, I just I, I have this feeling. I, I think he's playing confident tennis. I think he's back to the Alexander Zverev of old. He's made the final here before at the U.S. Open. He's beaten Carlos Alcaraz before. He's beaten Yannick Sinner before on Arthur Ashe. So I, I, I think he has a decent chance. But I'm surprised that Medvedev's price has drifted like this. I mean, he was, plus, yeah. he was 10 to 1 before the tournament. Now he's 14 to 1. That's and you mentioned it. He, he pretty much has a free path to the semis. I mean, 
I, I don't think there's anyone that's going to bother him. Even as much as I love Jack Draper, he, he's he's not going to beat Daniel Medvedev. Medvedev owns Andre Rublev in the head-to-head. We know this. We've seen it many times. We've seen them play. Um, and look, I, I think that Medvedev's been checking out, trying out new tactics in the lead-up to the U.S. Open. He's been playing a little more aggressive. He knows he's going to have to face Carlos in the semis. He knows yeah. that Carlos is a problem for him. And Medvedev's been trying some stuff out. So I'm almost not really reading into the, the, the form coming into the U.S. Open that much because I do think He's been getting a little more aggressive. I'm interested to see when they play again how Medvedev does um, right. because I, I think he's got a much fairer chance than the odds would indicate. Uh, they're basically pricing him like he, you know, he's not going to beat Carlos Alcaraz. I think that's outrageous. And I also will say, I mean, unless Jack Draper finds a way to, to find fitness, like he's not going to lose this quarter. So I, I think you have a that's, very yeah. good price on plus 1400 yeah. for Medvedev. I think the hedge there is the possibility because you get to the semis, then you have options there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Let's just start rolling through some picks because there's a lot to get to. Some agreement, some disagreement. That's why we like the show. Uh, we'll start with this one, uh, Kenny, because, you know, our, our guy Zico is on the other side of you. But you're riding the safer pick, the favorite, and Tommy Paul on the money line against Fakina. Zico actually sprinkled on Fakina, which we can touch on as well. But TP comes back from two sets down. And the big thing for me in that match was that he didn't have any fitness issues. Last year, his body failed him in the fifth set of a match he lost. This year, yeah, his, his third five setter, his body finally failed him against Casper Ruud. I, here's the thing I, I think when you see the way that they played in Miami, I think that's much more how this match is going to go. I think a lot of people are looking at the Australian Open. Looking at that five-set match where Fakina really pushed Tommy Paul. Uh, Tommy Paul, to me, I know he did end up going to the semifinals of the Australian Open. But I, I think he's come even further along in his game right now. And again, I think after the first time playing Fakina, he maybe overlooked him. They played in Miami. Fakina hit 61% of his first serves and only won 63% of those first serves. Tommy returned brilliantly. Fakina has never had a pow- very powerful serve, but I think that's something that's really going to hurt him. And we saw Tommy struggle in the first round or second round here against Roman Safulin. But Roman Safulin, as we were talking about, Mitch, with Zach as well, he crushes the ball, right? He takes it to Tommy. Uh, he, he was serving incredibly well. There was little that he could do when he was a little bit shaky on serve in a few of those games, a little loose. He's never going to have, he's never going to be out of a set against Davidovich Fakina with the way Fakina serves. So I, I, I really think he's going to take care of business here. I think he's going to win pretty cleanly. I got him at, at minus 130. He's now minus 156 because a lot of people agree with me and don't agree with Zach. Go with Tommy Paul here to win this match. Uh, I, I, I think he's, again, as you mentioned, Mitch, no fitness issues. One of the fit, He's a top five fittest guy on tour for my money. So uh, I, I think Tommy wins this match. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity that Paul, Tiafo in that section have. We'll get to Tiafo and some action we've got on the board in a second, but all right, we can get the we can get the you know pick against each other out of the way. Kenny and Pam are on opposite sides of a money line play between Bonzi and Stricker. Really, <laughs> Kenny? Right, be the hill to die on right here. But I'll start with this, Pam, and I, I understand when I talked to Kenny about this pick before the logic of the letdown match because right. I think Stricker's game is showing that he has some serious potential. But we have seen in the past that you beat a player. I know Sitspas isn't in that top top echelon right now but you get a top 10 win the biggest match of your life there is the letdown factor why do you think that won't be the case in this one i think it's all about rhythm i mean it's not just the sitsipas match it's also the first round match that he had against alexei poprin he has a really solid return game and the fact that he even pushed sitsipas yes yeah, still a higher caliber player 
to multiple tie breaks and to win a tie break against him. I mean, that's just a lot of like mental composure as well. And it's just, I have to bring up strength of schedule. <laughs> and that's just something that I like to do. So he has just back-to-back -back wins over two solid players. And Bonzi, what are we looking at? He just defeated Eubanks, who we just talked about. He has, he was hit with one of the illnesses, <laughs> the US Open illness. So you're, if you just look at the scores, Hey, that looks like a solid win. But was it really? Because Eubanks definitely was not the player that he typically is. Well, I'll let Kenny talk here. I'll also say that Sitsipas probably isn't the player he's been to. So there is a little bit of that. But, you know, Stricker's coming in with some serious game. Kenny Bonzi, you're picking him to do it. Not spread money line. Why do you go with him as the outright winner here? I love Benjamin Bonzi a lot. I mean, this guy's won eight challenger titles over the last two years. He's an incredible hardcore player. And he had a very quality win in the first round over Quentin Ellis, a, a big server. He returned very well. Christopher Eubanks, I, I thought, obviously, coming into the tournament, I wasn't very, he didn't have very good form coming into the U.S. Open. So in theory, I, I, I should agree with Pam that, yes, it's not a very impressive win. But I really just think the market underestimates Bonzi because he hasn't played a lot this year due to injury. What we saw last year, he, right over there, right next to me, on court four, he had a brilliant performance against Ugo Ambeer here in the first round. He took a set off Nick Kyrgios, who obviously played at a, at, he was one of the best players in the field last year, went to the quarterfinals, was the, was the betting favorite to win the U.S. Open as a quarterfinalist. And Bonson took a set off him and, and, and really made Nick uncomfortable. He's just a very consistent baseliner, and I really like him to win this match against a, a guy in Dominic Stricker that plays very, he plays casino tennis at times. He goes for winners a lot. And, you know, on his day, he's a very tough guy to beat. But we haven't really seen him be on his game that very much over the last couple of years. He's a very hitting tennis prospect. I love I love him. It was a great win. It was fun to watch him play. But uh, I don't think that Benjamin Bonzi, a very cerebral tennis player, very consistent tennis player, is going to be really affected by Dominic Stricker like Stefano Tsitsipas was. And we know Stefano's coming into the tournament was not in a good place. You know, obviously, he, he changed coaches. We saw it work for Coco Golf. Didn't really work the same for Stefanos going to Cincinnati, a place he went to back-to-back -back finals, and he gets bounced early. A very disappointing result, and then a very disappointing result here. So I'm not really reading into the Stricker uh, win like many others are. And again, I, with full credit to the talent that he has, I'm not saying he's not a good tennis player, but I think the market is overrating him quite a bit here. Well, maybe I'll split the difference and say I kind of like the over in this one because I feel like this is just going to be a war. Both these guys are yeah, the, the, the over is always a cowardly play, Mitch. You know hey, that. You know what? Hey, sometimes you got to be a coward for your own good. <laughs> um, that said, let's talk more. Kenny, uh, as Pam said, the Karatsev truther of the panel. You like him plus two and a half games against Ben Shelton. I, you know what? I actually do think that this is a smart play given the fact that we don't really know Maybe even Pam would agree here because you were on the team side for Shelton. Team unfortunately pulled out. I'm still waiting to see Shelton perform like matches. He for real. And Karatsev is gonna, you know, be game and testy. So of all Kenny Kenny's picks, maybe I I understand this one the most. I think in theory this is this is a, a an amazing pick, right? Because first of all, I was on Shelton in that match because I thought he was just gonna be a bigger boy than Dominic Team was. He looked okay. Like, I wouldn't say he, he looked bad, but he made a lot of mental errors in that game, in that match. He made a lot of physical errors. He managed to win the first set before Dominic Team pulled out. And, I, again, I, I, do, I do agree with you that Shelton's still a little bit overpriced by the market. But in theory, right, this is a perfect matchup for Aslan Karatsev. He has one of the quickest return skills or return reactions on tour. Uh, still, two, three years later after breaking out, he's one of the best returners on tour. His hands are so quick. 
against a glorified score bot or a serve bot rather in Ben Shelton. I think it's a he's going to win a lot of return games. He's going to be in a lot of return games. Now, the one issue I have with Karatsev is I'm not positive he's going to get over the finish line here against Ben Sheldon, especially with all the crowd. This reminds me, completely different matchup, but it reminds me of when Karatsev, when he was still a top 30 player, playing against Jensen Brooksby here at the U.S. Open, looked in control up two sets to one and lost that match, succumbed to the pressure built by the crowd in that match. I think Ben Shelton's going to have a ton of crowd support in this match, so I'm worried that Karatsev's not going to win. But I do think he wins two sets here. I think he gets inroads in a lot of Shelton service games. And I think ultimately he covers two and a half games. I'm not confident in saying Aslan Kratzev beats Ben Shelton, but he's absolutely going to cover two and a half games. Yeah, Pam, how do you see this one? Um, I would actually think the opposite. Um, I mean, he is still a left-handed player and he does have a big serve with him. And I love Kratzev because he was obviously a guy who made a lot of money a couple of years ago. What you've noticed about him, if you look at his resume, he struggles against big-time servers. Losses to Hachinov, losses to Zverev, losses to even Sonigo. Like, he cannot get past a serve, and it's actually his return game that's the problem. If you notice, he has his hand up on the head of the, of the racket. I think that really severely uh, limits his ability to return against heavier hitters. So I, I would definitely lean. This isn't something that I'm betting, but I would lean on the Shelton side just because his serve is going to get through just fine. Got to perform in these big moments. We'll see. I would just caution the people that I, I would, I would, my only rebuttal there would say, I would say that Baratsev has been a very volatile player over the last two years. So it's, it, it is easy to see his losses to bad players and say he's, he was bad at that time. Right. But he's, we've seen right. him in Madrid, right? Like he gets hot. And when he is at his best, he has incredible reflexes on return. Even when you, you note all those uh, all those matches against big servers. One of the things I've noticed is his biggest issue is actually converting break points. He's terrible on the on the big points. Um, and Ben Shelton's very good on the big points. So that is one uh, argument against taking Karatsev here. But I just think he gets so many returns back in play. He's going to make Ben Shelton play a lot. And when Ben Shelton plays a lot, he makes a lot of errors. So I don't know. It's, it could be an error fest, Pam. But the one note here is Karatsev did have uh, 83 winners in his last match to 52 unforced, which is an incredible number in a four-set match. And so we know that we know Karatsev can get up there in the unforced errors, up to 80 in a yeah. match. So that's very encouraging for me. All right. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. More tennis bets here on the tennis.com Facebook, tennis channel, YouTube, and tennis bets Twitter. Also on the tennis channel podcast network, Mitch Michaels alongside Pamela Maldonado and Kenny Ducey. Kenny, let's uh, make a synergy pick here on the women's side because one of your picks I agreed with. We're both going to be on Jen Brady on the money line, plus 106, slight underdog, slightly. I like this pick given the fact that, you know, Wozniacki got through, props to her, but the fact that. You know, you mentioned Kvitova being a little under the weather. I think Brady has weapons, and the players that have beaten Wozniacki historically have been able to hit through her very, very solid fitness and, and ball tracking skills. But I like Brady here, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your reasoning as well. Yeah, pretty much the same reasoning, Mitch. I mean, she scrambles very well, uh, better than almost anyone in Wozniacki. But I, I just didn't think she really looks like a very good tennis player out there against Petra Kvitova. She gave her a ton of errors. In that second set, she she failed to convert match points. She 
I, I just wasn't a great performance from Wozniacki, and I, do, I certainly don't think it was good enough to make her a favorite in this match against Jen Brady, a player we've seen had so much success in the past, who's looked really good. She's, she's played very clean from the back of the court. We know she has the power to hit through. I, I, I really, I think, I think this is the wrong price. I think Jen Brady should be a minus 125 favorite. I think it would be respectable to uh, a former world number one and former finalist here to say you're a, a, a you know a plus 105 underdog, but to make Wozniacki the favorite here, I think it's just the wrong move. Uh, the, the Brady forehand is going to do a lot of damage in this match. I do not think Wozniacki is going to catch up to him. It's a tale of two comebacks for sure. And uh, while we're on the topic, I had a couple women's picks. We can just fly through, Kenny. I want to get your thoughts on them. I like benches to cover the spread versus at even money. It's four and a half games. I think she's playing pretty well. And I'm taking the opposite action, plus four and a half. Hera versus Ostapenko. That's just more of like a sprinkle situation where Ostapenko can give a set away. Maybe, you know. So those are my yeah. women's points of the day. Curious your thoughts, though. I was actually watching Ostapenko in the first round, and she just made a lot of unforced errors. I mean, obviously, we know she, she has a lot of power. She goes for a lot on the forehand. I, 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 so, yeah, I think Bernardo Pera, a player that is a very good defender, I, I thought um, Ostapenko was really on the ropes there. Failed to serve out the match. It was five ball in the third uh, against a, a player that was getting a lot of balls back in play. So I think Pera absolutely covers this spread. I like this one quite a bit. I also mentioned to you, I, I actually would probably take the opposite side with the Linju match, to be honest. I, I, I think that she's still not getting enough credit for what she's done this year. Uh, at, at first in the Australian Open, it was like, okay, who, interesting. But now it's like she, she is uh, sort of a spoiler at majors. I would say my, my favorite pick here is taking Christea spread four and a half. She, she is a very talented player against Elena Bakina. I still am not sure. I'm still just kind of – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to hedge off Rabakina a little bit here because I still think she's a little overpriced. While she is one of the three most talented players in the world, there's no question about it. I'm curious how she's going to look after a couple matches on her body because it's really her body's let her down this year. That's been the biggest thing. I think the biggest, you know, and, and I agree with that. And I think the, these game spreads, I don't have the, the stuff in front of me, Kenny, but I want to say that a lot of these end up covering in these major situations because like we were talking about before, Sometimes you just do just enough to get to the finish line. You're not going to try to empty the tank. When you have these giant spreads, unless yeah. you're all great, you're probably we not. Have, yeah. We have also seen a lot of – sorry, we've seen, obviously we've seen a lot of three-set matches on the women's side as well, which lends, lends, lends to your point, Mitch, where I think there's been uh, there's been a lot of volatility early on, and no one really outside of Iga Sviatek, even Iga Sviatek, I thought would win a lot cleaner against uh, Saville, and she didn't. So Saville's tough. I, I think she's, certainly there's a lot. Yeah, she is. She's she's feisty. Uh, Pam, as we kind of wind this one down, I know the picks. They're you know we're still in the in the margin of a lot of favorites playing a lot of lesser ranked players. You mentioned something along the lines of Sinner and a guy like Taylor Fritz being players you're going to back today. Is there a certain strategy you might have for trying to you know make some money? Is it game spread? Is it maybe a big money parlay where the payout's not as great? What would be the theory in trying to make some money off the favorites today? I'm trying to parlay always. If I'm parlaying in tennis, it is because I am backing a super high conviction play that I'm like the dead set. This is not losing. Somebody like Sinner losing to Wawrinka, I don't see that happening. So I wanted to pair him with somebody. And Fritz is a little bit more volatile just because he's a little – I'm not even talking about spritz specifically. I'm talking about just like pairing him with somebody that has a higher juice that I don't want to pay for and has a little bit more volatility to that name. Yeah. High conviction plus high volatility and pair it for better odds. I couldn't find somebody to pair with Sinner. Um, so it's kind of one of those. 
it didn't work out today. Maybe it's going to work out tomorrow. But as you get in the early rounds, first, second, third, fourth, I'm looking for those money line parlays. Once yeah. we get to like the quarterfinals, the semifinals, especially the finals, that's when I'm okay to do the game spread, set spread, the totals. Um, but early on, just win. Quick update. First of all, Tommy Paul, 6-1 first set over for Kina. So he's Kina's going to that one. Maybe. He's about to broken in the second set, too. I got to watch that. Um, yep. Three Kenny, break I'll, points. Kenny, I'll that's ask you this over question. Before we were yeah. It might be. Hypothetical. We're not talking any acts or anything. Looking at the board, just players playing today. Who is the biggest name you could see losing on either side? Like outright losing. We're not saying you're making these bets, though. Today, um, yeah. Francis Tiafo, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think Francis Tiafo is uh, – I, I like Manorino plus five and a half games today, and I, I still don't think Francis Tiafo has really played – I almost think it hurts him that he's played bad opponents in the first two rounds. He played Lerner Tian and Sebastian Offner. I mean, those. that's basically a joke of a draw right there for Francis Tiafo, and I think he needs to face some good players. I mean, even in Australia, he faced Jerry Shang, I think in the first or second round, uh, which was a tough match for him. I mean, he ended up winning in straight sets, but I was impressed because – I, I thought he, he had to get – Shang got a lot of balls back. He had to play a lot of balls. And Francis Tiafo is – we need him to find his form right now, right? He needs to get into a groove because he's not been in a groove all hardcourt season. I just don't mm-hmm. think two wins over easy opponents do much do much for him. And I think he comes out here against Manorino. Manorino, a guy who's beaten Francis Tiafo before, um, and a guy that rarely loses – by a lot I, that's why i like the five and a half games really because if you look at his season so far yep. he's always been in every match he, that he's lost um he never goes away so this is going to be a very difficult and trying match for tiafo if i have to pick one guy one big favorite that's going to go down i would certainly say it's tiafo although i'm not saying he's going to lose outright i'm just saying that's he's probably the most stuff. likely one also while, while we're on the subject of taylor fritz guys i am so excited to take taylor fritz plus six and a half games against novak Djokovic in the in the quarters so excited about that. It's going to be great. You'll probably cover it. It'll probably be three or four sets, a lot of seven, five tiebreaker situations. I mean, I feel like every time they play, they play the same match. Djokovic right. winning like a, a lot of high set scores. Uh, five and a half games there, Kenny. So that's another pick you like. And just a quick one. We didn't have time to get all your picks in, but you're back on Zhang again. I know he took out, you know, Casper Rude did your. Zhang gang, baby. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, I'm worried about. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm worried about back-to-back five-set matches with Zhang, especially because he just goes. He goes 110% on every single point. But one thing I did like was against Casper, he just took a bagel. Um, he was out of that set and he just threw it away, and that was very smart of him. And I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's a bad sign because maybe he's already yeah. tired. He was already tired in the second round, and he threw that set away. But I, I like that at least he conserved a little bit of energy in that match. And yeah, I, I think this is this is a perfect spot to play him against Rinky, who. I, Martin Fucevic, I mean, I, are, are we going to rate him high because he beat Sebastian Corda, who, who really just looked terrible coming into the U.S. Open? I don't think so. Uh, I, I'm a, I am a Rinky fan, but I don't know if – I just I think this is a, a poor price, honestly. I think he shouldn't be the favorite in this match. I think Zhang's looked that good. And, again, you really – the only fade again the, – the only time uh, – the only thing working against Zhang right now is his own body. So, I, I but I think he'll – I think he'll win clean. I think Rinky is a, a baseliner. He's not a guy with a lot of weapons. Zhang's mm-hmm. going to crush that forehand and hit a lot of winners. So a couple of things before we wind this down. Uh, Zico on the wrong side so far of the Fakina match. He also did pick Wozniacki, uh, but he's on Karatsev money line, and he's on Mertens plus one and a half sets versus Coco Golf, which would be the biggest name to lose today if that happened. I don't Yeah, that's true. Esteem, but um, I, I don't I know. Just, I, can't, I, can't do, I can't do the Karatsev money line. I can't do it. I, I know mm-hmm. I've, I, no one has... 
watched more Karatsev matches in the United States probably than me. And no That's one has true. been involved in more Karatsev matches than me with a pick. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll just tell you. I, it's, it's, I think he's going to look really good for a lot of that match. I just think he's going to falter at the finish line. He gets he gets very tight, and I think that's a very dangerous match for him because he's going to be facing a very tough crowd. It's going to be very difficult to take the crowd out of it when Ben Shelton's serving 144 down the tee like he did against Dominic Thiem. Yeah. Uh, Pam, anything else on the board today or beyond? Maybe some matchups you're looking at in the next round? Um, I mean, I think this is just like a really weird tournament. <laughs> <laughs> now you have the illness coming into fa a factor. The weather is changing daily. It's sometimes cooler. It's sometimes warmer. Um, night matches are going to be something that I want to put my focus on deeper into the tournament. I'm really interested to see Warinka. I think Sen the Man can really make a competitive match out of center against center. And if that is the case, then I would probably want to look to fade center at some point for his lack of stamina. Dan Evans, uh, Kenny should be interested in that one against Carlos. Is he going to look any well? But I think no, that's... that's I think God, this is that's a get tough one for Dan. <laughs> that's really tough. You know why? I'll, I'll give you one more tidbit from covering the U.S. Open last year. The one guy, the guy that beat uh, Dan Evans was Marin Cilic on court 17. And the way Marin Cilic won that match, he hit every line, every line. He went for low percentage shots and he hit every single one of them. And then you saw Marin Cilic go on Arthur Ashe and do the same thing against Carlos Alcaraz, go, go in five with him, right? That Carlos Alcaraz does that better than anyone. He goes for the low percentage shots. He plays unbelievably aggressive points. And Dan Evans thrives off of guys that are going to make a lot of errors. He gets a lot of balls back and play, plays amazing defense. I, I couldn't I couldn't be less interested in Dan Evans in that match. But I am glad to hear that you think that, that, that Ravrinka has a chance because you did say earlier that you didn't think so. So I'm glad. I think that I think Stan has a decent chance against Sinner because he's beaten him twice. He's beaten him here. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned it, Pam. Like, we don't know the, the Sinner stamina level right now. We just don't know what, what's going to be left in the tank because he just swings so hard on every ball. And he looks a lot worse for wear when these matches, when yeah. these tournaments get late. And while he ends up coming out the victor in a lot of these, these, these thrillers, like he does make it a lot harder on himself. I will say he looked amazing yesterday against Sonigo. No issues at all. I thought Sonigo was forced to go for very aggressive shots and, and couldn't hit them. But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Stan didn't look amazing yesterday, but I think he looks good enough to push center. I do. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting round three, round four, and beyond of the U.S. Open. Uh, gang, always a pleasure. We're going to be back twice next week as well, gearing up for the eventual champions to be crowned at the U.S. Open. Thank you, Pamela Maldonado. Thank you, Kenny Ducey, who we'll see in a few hours on the Tennis Bets feed. Make sure you check that out. And check out the Tennis Channel Podcast Network for Tennis Bets in the audio form. This was Tennis Bets round three at the U.S. Open. Thank you for watching or listening. Good luck out there, and we'll talk to you next week.